Good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the Ayn Rand Center UK. It's the Daily Objective. We've got an action-packed show for you today. We're delighted you've joined us from all over the world. Welcome to our listeners, our viewers, and most of all, to our subscribers. Jonathan Honing from CapitalistPig.com here with you. And with me is a, a great co-host and a great advocate for liberty, Mark Pellegrino, obviously a well-known actor, but he's also a pretty, beyond pretty, he's an extraordinarily intelligent objectivist and thinker. So Mark, it's great to be with you again today. Great to be with you too, Jonathan. Well, we've got a kind of a interesting topic today. Uh, talk about ripped from the headlines. Uh, yesterday, uh, Joe Biden was sworn in as the new president of the United States. And among his major themes in a speech and an address that was widely celebrated by, I think, media on both sides of the pond, um, he talked about the need for unity, national unity. And you know, like so much of what happens in today's culture market, it's something that Ayn Rand talked about quite a bit. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is, is that a good thing? Is national unity a good thing? Uh, Ayn Rand talked about it. We want to solicit our viewers and our listeners' perspectives as well on Super Chat. But I'll, I'll start with you in terms of this idea of, you know, unity, national unity. It sounds like a pretty good idea, right? Well, what's, what's wrong with national unity? And what's your perspective on, uh, you know, the culture and politics writ large as we begin in America, a new Biden administration? Well, I mean, with respect to unity, I think it's, it's like any other value. It's, it's contextual, isn't it? I mean, I don't, think, I don't think unity in and of itself, unity qua unity means anything. It's just an empty, empty bromide. We can see political unity across the globe in places like Saudi Arabia and, and China and uh, the Soviet Union when they were still around and maybe even Russia today. Uh, most, most authoritarian countries have political unity. It depends. It depends uh, on what you are unifying around, and what is what is quote unquote bringing the people together. What ideas, what values, are you seeking? Um, it would be great to be unified over the concept of liberty and individual rights. Then I'm all for the idea of people uh, marching in lockstep towards that goal. But if you're if you're for an authoritarian state, if you're for giving up moral agency of the individual, if you're for increasing the power of the of the federal government over the over the lives and choices of individual human beings, why should I uh, lock arms with you and march towards that goal? That's not that's not uh, it's not a preferable goal. It's, it's uh, I think you're on Brooke had a show the other day on, on revolution. What did it mean? When should we do it? Because uh, uh, we hear the term revolution being thrown around a lot. And, and unless it's an overturning of something old for something, something old and bad for something new and better, um, it's, it's, it can't really qualify as a revolution. And, and unity uh, in, in our political climate now, which is a mixed bag of statism with some freedoms is probably the worst idea <laughs> you could you could throw down the down our our political throats right now we need we need dissent we need debate uh we need we need these ideas to be slapped onto the the surface of the political table and they need to be scoured and 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 picked apart uh, so that the most rational aspects of them rise to the top and become policy. The, the, uh, your, your comment reminded me of something that I believe Ayn Rand said, I'm thinking back, it could have been in the 1976 lecture series, which is available online. It's really fascinating. Uh, it's uh, actually has some Q and A with Ayn Rand. And, 
she has said somewhere something to the effect of that there's two ways of changing the establishment. You can be better or you can be worse. Um, so as you said, if you're going to have a revolution, if you're going to call for unity, and one of our frequent uh, visitors and viewers, Daniel, said, you know, what are we supposed to unite around? So on that level, you know, unity on some level, Mark, seems almost like a floating abstraction. Like, well, you know, it's unity around some type of, of, of principles. And, you know, I'll share, you know, like so much of, I mean, Ayn Rand was just unbelievably prescient in so many ways. Um, she had a speech about a nation's unity. This is going back to 1972 in the Ford Hall Forum. Look, if you do anything today, listen to this speech. This is a, a really fascinating speech. We're, we're not going to play it for you online, but I'm going to share just a few comments. Mm. You know, talk about seeing the future. She said that the pattern of a presidential election remains the same. First, there is a campaign in which the candidates denounce each other and seem to appeal to some sort of unstated principles. Then when the election is over, the appeals become an effect, let's all forget about the principles, national unity comes first. I mean, again, you know, Rand saw it, Mark, and, and we're, you know, that's exactly what Joe Biden said today, you know, appeal to unity. Um, but what is that unity around? And I'll, I'll more quotes and more ideas that I'll share, you know, we'll share throughout the program today. But, um, you know, it's, it's unity around what? In an absence, my opinion here now, this is certainly not Rand, but absence of a unity around individualist principles, around egoism, around capitalism, at least the American system, and I admit I'm not so familiar with the, the British system, but the American system, one of checks and balances that purposely limits the role of government, limits their powers, is one that I'm very comfortable with. In fact, what worries me now, at least about the American <coughs> system and the American politics, at the, is that there isn't so much dissent. You know, during the Obama era, the Republicans, in fact, put up a big, pretty good fight. They fought a lot of Obama spending. They got the sequester in place. They couldn't stop Obamacare. Uh, but what worries me now is that there isn't that dissent uh, and that there's unity about one thing, one thing only. In fact, Rand talked about this as well. Now, I'll share one more quote here. Um, she talked about, you know, they're asking, this was McGovern, I believe, was asking for national unity uh, around the idea that society has unlimited power and that our lives belong to the state. There's no one, I believe, on either sides of the aisle right now and certainly on either sides of the pond that would tell you that at the end of the day, your life doesn't belong to Washington or belong to the queen. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, the right, the right, I mean, go figure. Uh, when you when you when you coalesce a party around around sort of uh, uh, the juxtaposition of of ideas and principles that, that don't really mesh together and there's their paradoxes they're self contradictory um, you're you're going to you're going to break that entity down and the right has been has coalesced around internal paradoxes and 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 they cannot stand up to the inexorable drive of the of the left. They're they're breaking down. They don't they don't have a leg to stand on. So I I can see why the resistance on the right is becoming more futile. I mean they hold the premises of the left in essence with some paradoxical notions of uh, of uh, of liberty. They're the they're the embodiment of what a mixed economy is, and the left is the embodiment of what a full authoritarian uh, principle looks like. And in a battle between the two, as Rand said, the the least contra the the least contradictory principles win. And that's why that's why the, the left is winning. Mar Mary Aline has reminded us that Ayn Rand's A Nation Unity 
is also the first Ayn Rand letter, which is available online for purchase. But there's, you know, uh, all of our, our participants in our chat and around the world, we enjoy hearing your perspectives. But uh, I, I know, Mark, I, I think I speak for you in this case in that, you know, our perspectives have been so well informed by Ayn Rand herself, who foresaw so many of these issues, who saw so many of these issues, you know, even this idea and one of the great things in this speech, and and again, I encourage you to go listen to it. It's available on YouTube for free, but she has this great section where she talks about, this is my term now, but like kind of the balkanization that there's all these pressure groups now. Now we know it is intersectionality, but like somehow now you get like more props in the world if you happen to be racially minority, transgender, you know, all these things. You know, Rand talked about this. This is going back to 1972. She said, you've never thought of it before, but you've become race conscious and try to untangle your own ancestry. Think of all the ancestry.com now uh, <coughs> things we have now, people saying, well, I'm one tenth Native American, whatnot. She says, quote, you find it so mixed that you cannot qualify for any of the groups in into which your community is based. The Afro-Americans, the Chicano-Americans, the Italo-Americans, the Jewish-Americans and the Irish-Americans. This is Rand now. And you, you are just a mongrel American. So am I. And there used to be a real pride in that, in being a real mongrel American. You know, that was that true melting pot. But now with this obsession about race, this obsession about group, this obsession about collectivism, you know, that, I, that true idea of the American melting pot seems to be unfortunately melting away. And now all there is is that appeal to authority in the political sense for your own group to get the goods. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at one time, um, it was called a melting pot because all these disparate cultures can come together other, under one idea, under, yeah, one, under one spiritual idea, the, the spiritual idea of individual rights, that your life was your own. And regardless of where you came from in the world or what culture you brought into the United States, the American culture was a moral concept. It was a moral concept that was universal. And now, now you're you're seeing the displacement of universality. You're seeing, you're seeing the displacement of commonality in this concept of, of uh, intersectionality. I mean, even Marxism uh, before the advent of intersectionality was, was a more integrated philosophy in that it just divided people into haves and have nots. It was about classes. And, and that was a wider perspective than we have now where individual groups and cultures have legitimate knowledges that are, are equivalent to say the concept of individual rights and need to be, and need to be um, respected in the same way. And they can't, they can't uh, sort of melt away. That identity can't leave it in favor of this concept of individual rights. Um, it's a very frightening, very frightening disintegration to watch. Well, you know, some of our, our participants on our chat are saying, you know, Biden is a, a Trojan horse for the far left and <clears throat> the world is moving very far left. We'll get to that a little bit. In fact, another participant said that Trump has made the GOP <clears throat> pro-USA. Uh, and, and first, I want to thank Mary Aline for a contribution. I want to thank Daniel for a contribution. Daniel said, the only ancestors you should care about are your intellectual ancestors. That's so right on. I mean, the fact so that true. you're great-great-grandfather, and frankly, no offense to our European uh, uh, viewers, but I always think of that as being very European, like some, having a chip on your shoulder because your great-great-great-grandfather was some Duke of friggin' uh, Earl or something like that. Like that has anything to do with you. 
Um, it's all about your achievements in your life. And, you know, I, you know, Mark, I grew up in a household where my parents wouldn't buy anything that was German. You know, they grew up during the Second World War. They didn't want us, you know, and I had to tell them, you know, today's Germany is nothing to do that. You can't hold these children responsible for the heirs of their. And again, I just think it was a very objectivist perspective. But let me ask you, if you would, uh, to go back to, you know, Hugh is saying that Trump made the GOP pro-American. So you're saying, well, we need something to unify about. What about unifying around America? Well, okay, that has to be defined as well, because I, I, I do agree that Trump touted Americanism, as we see what your book behind us there, uh, uh, really, really states the fact. Uh, but he, what he was, what he was trying to coalesce the party around was a was the conservative jingoistic nationalistic uh, perspective of Americanism which doesn't focus on essentials you know whenever I hear a conservative talk about American exceptionalism they, they talk about it as a it's sort of a vague source of pride but I don't know that they could define it in any specific terms for an objectivist Americanism is this moral concept of individualism right which the right doesn't embrace and so do I want uh, unity around Trump's notion of, of Americanism? No. Do I want, I want unification around Thomas Jefferson's notion of Americanism, of Ayn Rand's notion of Americanism, which is you are your moral center. You have a right to your life and nobody has a right to, uh, to take it from you or to impede you in the progress towards your towards your rational goals. That is a uniquely American concept. That's what makes America exceptional and nobody on the right is saying it. Yeah, I mean, I love it, Mark. You know, in America, we have that, the bromide of, you know, <clears throat> life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And nowadays, well, even on the, the so-called right, you know, when we have some of our chat members saying, you know, you've got to support the right, they're the only opposition. But the right is that same sort of selflessness. Ayn Rand, uh, uh, popularized and I ran, um, you know, demanded selfishness, but that altruism, that sacrifice, you know, the left wants to sacrifice for the environment and the right wants you to sacrifice for the state, for the greater good. This is now going back to Ayn Rand's 1972 Ford Hall Forum and Nations Unity. She said, in sum, the fundamental social question is what principles should men agree upon in order to live and deal with each other? And I believe the principle is individualism. I think that is the American principle that you have a right to your own life. You're not here as a sacrifice for the greater good for anyone else, but on the political sphere, on the right and the left, both in America and I think in the UK, that, that idea, these voices are very few and far between. So unity maybe isn't such a great thing right now because unity means unity in the supremacy of the state, not the supremacy of the individual. Right. I think, I think in, in a mixed economy uh, and, and one tending towards authoritarianism, unity is the exact opposite of what you should be going for. Right now, we need dissent and debate. That's the only way anything approaching reason is going to be in public policy. Uh, you can only have unity when you all fundamentally agree that individualism is good and individual rights is the proper way in which we organize a society. Yeah, but I, I, and, and we're, I, I know I speak for you, Mark, when I say, you know, what we believe in, what I believe in, this is not Rand talking, what we believe in, though, however, is, is principled opposition. 
you know, <laughs> storming, storming, uh, you know, using force to try to enact, force people to act the way you want them to act, I, I believe is certainly not something Rand would advocate for. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's not going to work. It goes back to going, doing that tough work of having to convince people, having to share with them Ayn Rand's ideas, having to share with them podcasts from Ayn Rand Center UK and change the way they think. You know, that, that's what happens before you get the politicians you want. You have to change the way people think before you get the politicians that think the way you want them to. And that's, that's a right. process. And it's not, even, it's, not even, it's not even close to a guarantee. As you said, it doesn't work when you, when you use force to try to get people to, to change their perspectives. You end up not only not getting the result that you want, if you're honest with yourself, but you've, you've additionally set the, 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 uh, the, the premise that it's appropriate to use force right. to achieve social ends. And so you, you've, you've got two strikes against you from the get-go. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a topic, and I on some level I feel like you know unity, um, you know, isn't such a bad message. I'm not a political I'm not a political person, but I think unity probably <clears throat> isn't such a bad message, you know, given the political turmoil over the last few years. <clears throat> as I think you pointed out so eloquently, Mark, I and mean, it's unity around principles, and you know, just as I think we were a, a vocal advocate for individual rights, for capitalism, for egoism during the Trump administration. We need to be equally, if not even more so, uh, vocal during the Biden administration and all over the world. You know, these are ideas that have flourished in America, but they're not unique to America. And it just might be that Ayn Rand's next big uh, growth spurt, if you will, is, is, is in the UK, is in France, is in Latin America and Brazil, uh, in China, where there's a big interest in Ayn Rand right now. So, you know, we talk about these ideas of egoism, individualism being kind of American ideas, but they're not unique to America. This is powerful stuff. It can improve your life. It can improve your country's well-being, prosperity, et cetera. So um, it is the secret sauce. Uh, and that's why it's so important to keep espousing the ideas no matter who's in office. I agree with you. And I think, I think in, the, in the same way that I think uh, capitalism evolved differently in Europe than it did in America, I think America had a different and unique enlightenment than, than Europe. It took what Europe gave us. It took the seed and, and grew it a little bit more, right? I think, I think uh, uh, the American take on individualism and right is a little bit different than Locke's take on natural right. I think it, it goes beyond it. Um, it just needs, and, it's, and I think the only people in the, in the semi-public sphere who are, who are elaborating on this idea of American individualism and Americanism are objectivists. And I think people should, should read should read objectivist literature on what is the difference between an objectivist point, point of view on individual rights and the concept of natural right. Is there a difference? And if so, what? And let's start defining our social systems on this new elaboration of individual rights. Well, Mary Aline, who's a, a subscriber for the Ayn Rand Institute <clears throat> UK and a frequent contributor, and thank you again for the super chat today. She is uh, using a bit of Ayn Rand here she said that if two sides share the same basic premise, the more consistent side will win. This is straight up Ayn Rand. And this is her now backing statism light, i.e. the Republicans is a road to disaster. You know, I, I tend to agree with that as well. Uh, you know, politics, Mark, you know, I'm, not a, I'm not a sports guy, but you're realizing that politics is kind of an easy everyday issue that we can all battle about. Um, but now I think is the time to stay true to your principles, our principles, which are not statism light in terms of today's Republicans, 
their individualism, their individual rights as taught and as instructed by Ayn Rand. Thank you, Gene, for your contribution from Canada. Uh, we love all of our viewers and, and participants from all over the world. So thank you for helping us get these ideas, get Ayn Rand's ideas into young people and to old people, get them around the world. And there's so many good Canadian objectivists. Wasn't uh, John Ridpath, uh, isn't he a Canadian? Was Peacock a Canadian? I saw them do a debate in Canada. Is he from yes. Canada? All right. Dr. Peacock so is a Canadian. In fact, one of my favorite moments in objectivism is you will. I mean, if you want to stand on your feet and applaud, get up and watch the 1984 debate of Dr. Peacock and Dr. Ridpath against two Canadian socialists. It's beautiful. Uh, if you don't think ideas are exciting, you know, there's one of the most incredible debates you'll ever see. It's available for free on YouTube. Um, but, you know, I, I think I know my big picture as we start to wrap up here and thank all of our uh, viewers and listeners, my big picture is, is that Ayn Rand talked about a nation's unity. She wrote about it in 1972. Like so much of what she wrote about, it's playing out in today's culture. So take a moment before you fire off the next tweet, before you do the next blog post, take a moment and read something, learn something, learn from Ayn Rand uh, and start with a nation's unity. Joe Biden talked about it. You should be informed. And that's a great place to start. Right on. All right. Well, with that, uh, well, thank you for your participation, for joining us. Tune in, push that like button. We've got, what, 300 people watching now and only 13 likes. So let's make that, let's change that. Push and those likes. Come on. Push that like and push the reminder. That way you know when we're on. We've always got cool, exciting new content, relevant content ripped from the headlines coming your way. Thank you for being part of our program. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And as always, thanks for your support from the Ayn Rand Center UK. Have a good one.